in Matthew 10 and 1. It was now time for Jesus to send forth these whom he had called, the twelve who were disciples, which is a learner, to go out and minister to other people without his presence with him, his, his physical presence. And he called them and gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles, and this is the first place that they were spoken of, an apostle is one who is sent. According to Brother Clark, he said that one is not an apostle until he has become a disciple first. Must be a learner before he can go out and be one who is sent as an ambassador. That's literally what it means, an ambassador of kings, representing kings. It has the same connotation. Gives the names first. Not necessarily by importance, but just merely by name, the order. Simon was called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Judas, of course, did not have the surname Iscariot until after his death. So we know that Matthew wrote his gospel after that time and simply put it in there. One who is hanged or choked, Iscariot. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's interesting to note that even Judas was given power because at this time Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was a saved man along with the rest and was given special powers by Christ to command unclean spirits to come out and to heal all manner of sickness and diseases. That which should accompany any minister of the gospel in any age of the church. They should be able to, in fact, these things should be a part of every Church of God congregation. It may very well be a point of truth to help us to understand that it is a congregation of the people of God in that the, the ministers or those in the congregation are able to cast out devils and are able to heal all manner of sickness in the name of Christ and perform these miracles because we read in the scripture that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. 
Times have changed and people have changed, but he hasn't. And if he is the head of the church as he is, then these things ought to continue because we read over here in Mark 16. And 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Not just those that say they believe, but those that believe. That's not in there, but that's what I said. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's why we believe in divine healing. We lay hands on the sick and anoint them with oil and pray for them in the prayer of faith. Saves them and the Lord raises them up. I know this is attempted by sectarian churches and, and uh, false preachers uh, in the name of Christ. In fact, Jesus said when they come in the judgment day, they're going to say, haven't we preached in your name and cast out devils and done many mighty works? And he's going to say to them, I don't I didn't even know you. So they tried, but they didn't have the spirit. They simply tried to do it in Jesus' name, just like the seven sons of Sceva who wanted to uh, cast out the devil. And they said in the, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and the devil said, you're no account with me, with, with them. I know them, but I don't know you. And so they go out in his name. He sent them forth and commanded them, don't go to the Gentiles yet. Don't bother the Samaritans yet. Samaritans were a combination of people who believed in, in uh, some Judaism and some idolatry and Somebody built a temple for them on the hill and the Jews hated them for that because it was rivaling their temple. And they despised them. They didn't want to have any hindrance to their ministry by the Jews by having them say, you're fraternizing with the enemy. He just wanted them to go with the Jew to the Jews first. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a present reality. It's coming it's here right now heal the sick cleanse the lepers the Jews believed that only God could do that raise the dead cast out devils freely you have received freely give you know there's no place in the gospels where the disciples ever raised anybody from the dead so this commission was far more reaching than just in the gospels they didn't raise anybody from the dead in this account. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Travel light in this thing, is what he's saying. Don't take a lot of baggage, don't take a lot of things with you that encumber you. Travel light. Where is Sister Spragan said this world as a loose garment? And into whatsoever city or town that you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you have come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. 
And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. It's a serious matter for people to turn away the message of the gospel. To turn away the ministers of the gospel is serious enough. But it's the message that is important. And for them not to receive it is saying just shake the dust of your feet off of that place and go on your way. Verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And, but beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. You know, the synagogues were places where they could pass judgments upon people uh, in uh, some civil matters. And they would take, take the believers, the saints, and sentence them to scourging because they preached in the name of Christ. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought or how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. And there have been down through the years and centuries remarkable incidences of people preaching perhaps what may have been their last message in the face of persecutors who were about to do them in in remarkable fashion. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You like to hear a message like that. It would be like telling a company of soldiers they're going into battle and it's not very likely any of them are going to come back alive. Not a very pretty picture, is it, to follow the Lord when you haven't done anything wrong, when you, when you love people and you do them good, and then to have people turn on you like that and do these awful things to you in the name uh, many times of religion was this actually done, especially by the Jews and the Roman Catholics down through the Dark Ages. But he says... And when they persecute you in this city, flee you to another. For verily I say unto you, shall have not gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of the house of his household? The word Beelzebub comes from the word Zabal. The Jews had names for idols, derogatory names for idols. And Zerub or Zabal uh, or Zubal simply meant a dunghill. In modern language, an outhouse. That's how they thought of that. And it said if they will call the master of the house 
Beelzebub, how much more shall they call the children of the household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. And you know, if you think about that verse, you made to realize that that being true, it is a comfort to the saints and a terror to the sinner. Because God knows everything that's going on. Nothing's hidden from Him. And it's going to be revealed. And everything is known unto God that we are and that we do. So you see, really, in reality, in the spiritual world, which is the most important, nobody's getting away with anything. What I tell you in darkness, that speak you in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetop. The Muslim calling people to prayer stands on the top of the highest building and calls out audibly for people. The Jews used to do the same thing, would stand on the housetops and call out. Preach it upon the housetops. This is a message that does not have to be spoken of in the corner but it should be shouted out to the world. Send the light. Send the gospel light. Go out into all the world with this message and it's right out there in the open. Jesus never did anything back here in, in the hidden places, in the dark places. Everything about His ministry was right out in the open. Even His scathing accusations against the Jews and the religious hypocrites, everything was right out there in the open until they gnashed their teeth at him and would like to have thrown him off of cliffs and, and off of, the devil would like to have him thrown off the temple and, and uh, these people who hated the truth wanted to do him in and they'll do that to us too if they had the opportunity. And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And this hell is Gehenna, the place of burning. See, the people can't do any more to you if they kill the body, but the soul is invisible and indestructible. They can't do anything to the soul. And so if they kill the body, those, he said, don't be afraid of them but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both that soul and that body which will be resurrected in the final day in hell, in the lake of fire, in the second death. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them uh, shall not fall on the ground without your father? God knows even about little birds that fall on the ground and die. He permits it all. He's, he permeates the whole of His creation. And nothing escapes his eye. Everything that goes on in the whole of the world and has ever gone on, God knows all about it. Even before it happens. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And I don't know if anybody ever tried to do that. Do you not therefore ye are more value than many sparrows? Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. And outward confession of faith 
in Christ is what was required. See, those people back there in the morning time church, they had to grow up in a hurry because of the persecution and the threat and pain of death connected with the Christian profession. Those people had to get saved and sanctified in a great big hurry and grow up real fast because their life was real short in the gospel. And so he said, those who weren't going to, he said, you confess. If you confess, I will confess you. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. It was a great temptation for those Jewish converts to, when it came down to the pain of death to uh, recant and, and deny Christ. And so that's why when they got converted, they were quickly baptized, which showed to the rest of the Jews and the rest of the world that they were followers of Christ now. Because when they got baptized, the Jewish people rejected them and wouldn't have anything more to do with them. And so they had to grow up in a hurry. Not so in our modern day, in our society, when we have freedom of religion and none of the persecution at the pain of death that they had back there. So people take it kind of easy and, and spend a lot of time uh, fooling around in a justified state when they should be going on to perfection because, you know, uh, the freedom that we have becomes licensed to keep on going in a less than perfect experience. He says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. Why not? That was a strange expression. He is the Prince of Peace. Why didn't He come to send peace on the earth? He said, I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's foes shall be they of his own household. Even a child that is converted to Christ will be persecuted by an ungodly father and mother. And the foes of a man shall be they of his own house. You find out how deeply rooted sin and unbelief is when some member of the family gets saved and wants to go with God. You'll find out the opposition begins right now, right in the home. Or right in the husband-wife relationship. Or uh, other relatives or whatever. The gospel is a divider. And it does not bring peace like we talk about the world wants peace but they're not willing to pay the price for it they're not willing to come to the prince of peace who alone can bring peace individually or collectively there isn't going to be very much peace there are about 40 wars going on in the world right now and peace is not only the absence of conflict but it is the deep abiding assurance that Christ is walking with us every day. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Children, if your mother and your father don't want to obey and go with God, and they want to continue living in sin, you don't have to do that. You can come to Christ. You can live for Him. And if you love your father and your mother more than you love Christ, He says you cannot go with me and walk with me. And as you grow up and you come to the church meeting all the time and you hear the preaching of the Bible and your parents don't get saved, that does not have anything to do with whether you're going to get saved or not and walk with God because you are individually responsible for your own soul. And if you understand anything at all of what we preach and what we teach, you know that you have to make a personal decision yourself 
for the Lord, even if your father and mother don't. He says, if you love them more than you love Christ, you can't be his son or his daughter. You're not worthy of him. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. It meant a whole lot back there more than it does today. I mean, those people were in danger of their life when they did this. He that findeth his life shall lose it. My margin says gain through loss. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. That's paradoxical, but it's true. We want to hang on to our life in our own way. We can have it. God will let us have that. There are millions of people that are living that way. Millions of people that know better are living that way. Millions of people that are professing to be Christians are living that way. And they know better, but they still want their own life. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When people, when you go to people with the gospel because you care about their eternal soul and know that they'll spend eternity in hell if they don't get saved, if you go to them and they uh, turn it away, it isn't our message. We didn't invent Christianity. We are simply messengers of the message and the one who sent us. If we go to them and they reject it, he said, if they don't receive you, they didn't receive me. The same as not receiving Christ. And they wouldn't talk like that. They would say, well, I don't particularly like you in the way you say it, but uh, I still believe in Christ. No, if we tell them what Christ said and they don't accept what, what that, then they're rejecting Him. They don't believe that and wouldn't say that, but that's what it is. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward and whosoever shall give a drink to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple verily I say unto you he shall in no wise lose his reward a cup of cold water well all we have to do is turn the faucet on that's nothing here but go over to India sometimes they got to go a long way to get a cup, a cup of water so it really meant something to them if someone in India would go and get you a cup of cold water, they might have to travel a long way and come back with it. And maybe they did that because you were a preacher of the gospel. In the state of Kerala, where 90% of the, of the believers in Christ are in India, that little narrow strip of land on the east coast of India called Kerala, uh, they are having or did have up until September a great drought and a, a very long lack of water in that place but then he said in his last letter to the editors in Oklahoma it had rained they were praying that God would send rain and so then it rained let's go into Levin in verse 22 of 10 it says and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake but he that endureth to the end shall be saved Adam Clark had a very interesting statement here. He said, The laws of Christ condemn a vicious world and gall it to revenge. 
We don't seek out persecution to try to say that that's what uh, that's we must be doing right because we're persecuted. It'll come without us even trying. Trying. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? There are reasons for John asking this question. He had been arrested and put in prison. And he wondered while he was there what it was all about. Probably got a little bit depressed. <coughs> and he wanted to be reassured that what he had done was right and that he would believe was right because he might have had an idea that the Lord was going to set up the kingdom then. Drive out the Romans and set up the glorious Davidical kingdom again like the Jews expected the Messiah to do when he came. Maybe John was thinking about that so he wanted some reassurance that some doubts were creeping in, no doubt. So they came to him and he said, Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deep hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. All of these things the Jews absolutely believed that were going to take place when Messiah would come. And he was fulfilling their scriptures. But they didn't believe it. But John would. And so he told them. Go and tell him what's happening. And blessed is he. Whosoever shall not be offended in me. The last part of that verse. The poor have the gospel preached to him. You see the rich. Are not interested in the gospel. Because they're too busy. Uh, making money and enjoying uh, the good life uh, that is talked about in this country and other parts of the world. They haven't got any time to humble themselves down at an altar of prayer and confess and forsake all the ugliness of their hearts. They're too busy having a good time and enjoying the, the material wealth that they have gained however they have gained it. And so Jesus said, the poor have the gospel. Why? Because the poor will stop and listen to the gospel. The poor will, will pay attention and, and believe it and obey it and walk with God in life. And if they never become wealthy, it doesn't matter to them because their wealth is far greater than the riches of the world. Look at the lives of the people that are wealthy, not even the super wealthy, but just wealthy people in this country. How shallow and dissipated. It's no wonder the Muslim says, look at the decadent West and the way those people live. That they almost have justification for what they say, except for the corrupt religion that they have. But it is true that the West is a decadent society all over Europe and the United States and Canada and South America. It is becoming more and more ungodly and, and they do have some credence in what they say. And if they were pure and holy, we might take more of what they have to say except for their false and vicious religion of uh, Islam. But nevertheless, it is true Tell John not to be offended. 
And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went you out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? You think John is unstable? Uh, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But when, what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before me. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You see, John only got part of it. Jesus had not died in rose yet. So really, a brand new saved and sanctified believer would probably be greater than John the Baptist. Even though he said, there's not a greater one risen than him. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Sometimes, people who get saved have to earnestly and diligently and with tears and earnest endeavor make it into the kingdom. That's the way some people are, getting, are going to get in. Others believe and obey immediately. Sometimes children who are uh, easily uh, persuaded about something uh, find it very easy. You know, they haven't gone out into deep sin, therefore that does not hinder them. And so they can easily come to Christ. In fact, Jesus said, Suffer the little ones to come unto me, for the kingdom of heaven is like that. He also said, Except you be converted and become as little children, you're never going to enter in. So people in our intellectual and sophisticated society, the very stuffy intellectuals, don't want this gospel. It's, it's too simple and, it, and it's too uh, mundane for them. Uh, they want something complicated. Uh, they want to do something uh, uh, in, in their high-minded way in order to attain favor or uh, if they even want favor of God. But, but to simply believe and obey something like this, this is beneath them. And so they don't want it. But he said, from the days of John the Baptist till now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent and the violent take it by force. Sometimes if you're going to get in, it's going to be, you're going to crawl your way in. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, all that Old Testament teaching, all of the prophecies in all of the Old Testament law Everything that God had done in the Old Testament was up till John and now he was going to institute the new covenant and put away the old as that's said in Hebrews when the, that which is old uh, waxes away then it's put away and we've got something new. And that's what was going to happen now. And if you will receive it this is Elijah which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear let him hear. But what, whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto the children sitting in the markets and calling unto the fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. 
we preach the gospel, people don't respond. We show the way of salvation, and it sounds like a very nice story. Most of the sectarian religious called so-called Christianity does not demand repentance from their hearers, does not command them to come to Christ and forsake, confess and forsake all sin. Uh, to do that would be to jeopardize their little salary job because that's all it is. They're getting paid a salary, they're hired, and they can be fired. So they're not going to jeopardize their job. So they have no real message for the people. But he says, we have piped unto you. We told you the truth. And you just sit there. We've uh, mourned, but you haven't lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he's got a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinner, but wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in thee, in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Apparently Jesus never got to Tyre and Sidon, but it was a wicked place. We don't know where Chorazin is, but Bethsaida was a familiar place. And he did preach there. And had they had the same light of the gospel in Tyre and Sidon that they did in Chorazin and Bethsaida, those people would have got saved. And even more so. He says, if it shall be more tolerable... In, uh, for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven. Capernaum is a place where Jesus spent a lot of time. He did a lot of preaching. It was a wealthy and busy city down there on the coastline. And he had brought the gospel of healing and salvation and miracles to that place. He brought light to them. And I want you to catch this because the things that he's saying after this amaze me when you think of it. He said, Thou art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. And the hell is Hades or the grave or it means a ruined state. And why? For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it had remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. How could it be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah when those vile, filthy people were conducting themselves in such a miserable way that God had to bring singular judgment upon them by destroying them totally and completely Himself with a fire and brimstone coming down from heaven. And it shall be more tolerable for those wicked, vile people than it would be for them. Why? Because they had the light of the gospel in Capernaum. They had Christ right there to preach to them and to teach them and show them the way of salvation. And they rejected it right out just like some people do today. Then because they did this, it's more tolerable for the filthy Sodomites of the world than it will be for people who walk against the light. To sin against light is 
It's the worst thing that you could possibly do to yourself. And that's what he meant by this when he said it'll be more tolerable for them. It's hard for me to imagine these filthy sodomites. They call them gays in our country and in the world. There's nothing gay about them. And forgive me if I get excited about this, but I, I can't imagine how it could be more tolerable for those people than it was on, other than the fact that we know that the gospel brings light to your soul and to reject it. Adam Clark said, there shall be the hottest place in hell for people who walk against and reject the light of the gospel than it would be. The sodomites are going to be in a better place than people who walk against the truth and sin against the light of truth. That's a terrible indictment, isn't it? At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Why did he hide them from the wise and the prudent? Because the wise and the prudent don't want this gospel. And so he reveals it unto simple people. Not simple-minded, but simple people. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Just and true are thy judgments, O God. Didn't the Revelator say that? Righteous are thy judgments, he said. And then when his judgments were poured out upon an unbelieving and vicious world, what did the angel say? They are worthy. And anyone who sins against the light of the glorious gospel and rejects their only way of salvation, they shall receive the same judgments. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The sun is shining in the church of God. It is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. It has glorious truth. It, has, it is the precipitator of this glorious message of holiness of heart and holiness of life and all of the promises of God are yea and amen to who? Everybody that believes. And so he said, you have revealed it. He has revealed the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth to the church. And that's the apple of his eye in the New Testament and for 1900 years the church of God is one and it has been revealed the truth and it has been the commissioner of the truth. It has been the mission of the church to preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And at the pain of hell, people are warned to escape the judgments of God and come as Jesus said in this invitation and we'll close. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What is the labor and the heavy burden? It is sin on your soul. That is what the burden is. It is heavy and it is, it is laborious to live in sin. Why? Because it is against God and everything that is good for you and for Him. But He invites and says, Come if you're in that condition and I'll give you rest. What kind of rest? Rest for the soul. That's what the Old Testament Sabbath answers to in the New Testament. The New Old Testament Sabbath answers to the rest of our soul. When we come to Christ and get forgiveness and cleansing of sin, we have rest, a perpetual Sabbath. Every day of the week, every day, month of the year, we have this rest of the soul. They only had a Sabbath once a week and it was to keep from doing any work. They didn't have any rest for their 
soul, but we have a rest of the soul every day. We can walk in the light and be saved from our sins completely. Come unto me, he says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Well, a yoke is something that you put on the horse to help them pull along. What did he mean? And he said, learn of me. If you don't ever learn anything in life, children, learn of him. Learn everything you can about Christ and what he is and what he'll do for you. That's the most important learning that you'll ever have. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. For what? Unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I think we'll sing that song in closing. We have found it so. We that have come to Christ and walk with Him, we have found that His yoke is easy, and that His burden is light. But we would be remiss if we did not invite you to the same experience. What page is that? 207? 265 is the regular hypnotic. I hope if you see nothing else from this message tonight, you have realized how important it is that you do not sin against light. Because if Jesus said it's more tolerable for those people who God brought singular judgment upon for their wicked, vile conduct, if it would be more tolerable for them than those people who heard the gospel, just think how it would be for you who sit under the preaching in the church of God. These people out in sectarianism, they aren't getting the whole truth that you are. They're not even as accountable as you are. People who come to Church of God congregations are accountable because if they're a true congregation and have a true messenger who preaches the whole thing, then accountability rises up in every individual. And you've got to do something about it or face the worst kind of judgment that there is, not only hell, but the hottest place in hell. And I know there's no one here tonight that wants to go there. Not even to the littlest part of it. But to go to the hottest part of hell. There are degrees of punishment in hell. And those who sin against the light are going to be in the worst place. God forbid that you should do that to yourself. I found my Lord and He is mine.